This is Scott Becker with a special episode of the Becker Private Equity Podcast, coupled with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, because we're talking about a really interesting issue today. It's not so much a healthcare issue, but it's a, an overall financial markets issue. We're going to talk about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin. We've got with us John Savolis. John is the head of research uh, for cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and everything else at Skybridge, uh, one of the leading players in this area. John's going to talk to us both about sort of what's the deal with cryptocurrencies, with Bitcoin and more, also about the whole fiasco with FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, how Sam Bankman-Fried went from being worth 16 or so billion dollars to maybe nothing, uh, some of the fascinating celebrities involved in this, the Tom Brady, Giselle Bunches, all kinds of others, and just give us a sense of what's going on in the cryptocurrency and Bitcoin universe. Uh, John, I've known for a very long time, is one of the brightest, best people I know, so thrilled to get, a, to get a chance to visit with John. John, take a moment and introduce yourself. Maybe tell us a little bit. Give us a little background on, on what's going on with Bitcoin and crypt, cryptocurrency and FTX and so forth. Just maybe introduce yourself and tell us a little bit of the background of what's going on today. Thanks a lot, Scott. It's, it's really an, uh, an extraordinary moment in crypto because of what's happened with FTX. And it really makes you think hard about the structural you know, underpinnings of this technology transition. And you have to have done the work to have the independent you know, confidence to power through this astounding fraud. So my background is technology. I started at Merrill Lynch in traditional finance as a tech sales sector specialist. I worked as an analyst at Wells Capital in technology. And most recently, I learned about blockchain working at Oppenheimer in Chicago and joined Skybridge a year ago, where I became the head of cryptocurrency research. And Skybridge made a turn into crypto um, from a more general background uh, more than a year ago and manages public and private equity and digital assets in the crypto space. Fortunately for Skybridge, our digital asset holdings are never held on exchange. And what has come to um, light with FTX is the risk associated with holding assets on exchange in the possession of a centralized counterparty. And the import of that is that it has led to the kind of um, financial crisis that is traditionally associated with the non-crypto world. It looks like the kinds of financial um, disasters that have occurred you know, with counterparties like Tyco or um, Enron or Madoff or any of the really famous disasters and not at all like what was the premise of crypto, which was trustlessness and decentralization. And, and now the industry is going to have to work through this in order to unearth the really compelling um, structural bull case that we think is intact. And, and, and talk about that, because at the end of the day, there, there's lots of people that believe if Bitcoin cryptocurrencies became an alternative real currency to the U.S. dollar or to other currencies, there'd be some real benefit of that in terms of worldwide transactions and currencies and so forth. At the same time now, 
the Bitcoin now is down to about 16,000 or so. The year 52-week range is somewhere between 16,000 and 68,000, 69,000. In this kind of collapse of one of the exchanges in which this is traded on, it's almost trying to separate like a company, let's say, um, you know, Apple from the NASDAQ. But now you've got a situation where trying to differentiate the currency value versus the NASDAQ or the exchange. It's the exchange that's blown up, but not necessarily Bitcoin and crypto. Talk to us about that a little bit, John. What does that mean for the longer run case and rationale for holding Bitcoin, holding crypto, et cetera? You know, it's a, it's a long discussion, but broadly speaking, I think the right way to think about crypto is in three buckets, where Bitcoin, which has functioned perfectly well through this crisis and will continue to function well, is positioned and viewed as an alternative to fiat currency. So you can reach your own conclusions about the viability of printed currency and whether it's being exploited and whether it's sufficiently you know, reliable that you can depend on it with a longer view. The um, Bitcoiners argue that it isn't and that we're in a position where even though right now you know, the dollar is particularly strong with a longer view on rising amounts of debt and ongoing, um, you know, printing of, of the currency, let alone in other countries where the currencies are much weaker. There is uh, an important role for a digital asset that's scarce and transportable, and that's in an early stage of adoption, and I'll talk about that a little bit. And then the second thing that's important is uh, the second bucket is really critically represented by Ethereum. And I don't know how widely understood it is that Ethereum is not really an alternative to Bitcoin. It's not a cryptocurrency that is intended to replace fiat currency per se. It is more like a computing platform and that it supports applications. And it's a long discussion to explain how that works and in a decentralized context and the kinds of advances they're making to make transactions cheaper and scalable on that platform. But it's a very important thing to understand because um, all of the implications of um, crypto becoming relevant in the financial sector and in many other sectors all of the implications that are broadly characterized as Web3 are really premised on the advance that was presented by Ethereum. And then the third bucket looks more like conventional enterprise software. I mean, to me, it looks like just a new advance in the way we do things in the enterprise world. So, you know, think of it as an alternative to a database with different characteristics. And the critical difference is that a database is gonna either sit inside your, your company or somebody else's company or a third party's enterprise IT, but a um, blockchain can sit between you. So, you know, in our private equity investment um, process, we've met companies that are deploying this in a way that looks very much like new enterprise software and that has the potential to make things far more efficient, to achieve things that couldn't be achieved before, like disintermediating um, middlemen, for lack, lack of a better word, in industries like travel, 
or in really any other context where supply chains are orchestrated. So those three buckets are independent areas of discussion. What I would say that really gives us confidence about the ongoing progress in this space is that capital and talent continue to be invested unabated. $28 billion of VC capital flowed into crypto, crypto in the first three quarters of this year. That's 10 billion more than the first three quarters of 2021 and nearly double the capital that was invested in the prior four years combined. Major financial institutions continue to adopt digital assets. BlackRock launched a Bitcoin investment trust. They introduced support for crypto to their multi-trillion dollar Aladdin client base. Bank of New York, which is America's oldest bank and the world's largest asset custodian, now offers crypto custody. Schwab, Citadel, and Fidelity are launching a crypto exchange. MasterCards in the business and the building of this kind of infrastructure and the flow of this kind of capital and talent didn't really happen during the 2018 crypto bear market. And it's incredibly bullish. And it makes us believe that we're going through the stage of development where you move out of proof of concept and clearly we're moving out of some really important, painful disruptions associated with things like FTX, but into a more important stage of the crypto evolution. And I don't know if you saw, but JP Morgan just got a trademark on a crypto wallet this month. But, but the point that's so important is, is trying to differentiate, because many people have asked, why is crypto held up fairly well in the in the point of this, you know, FTX falls apart. It's one of the big crypto exchanges. And so many people have wondered, look, crypto's gone down 20% in in that period of time, but that's that's a sizable decrease, but you see those kinds of decreases. And it's held up pretty well considering that one of the biggest exchanges completely fell apart. And and I think your point is Crypto, Bitcoin, these currencies are a real thing for a lot of reasons. And the point you're making is so many of the financial institutions who will hold crypto for you, which gives you comfort that you can really hold it with real institutions like Bank of New York, Fidelity, et cetera, makes the case that it's a real asset class aside from a couple of these exchanges that ended up being sort of like a, a financial trickery. The Also the point you make, in the U.S., we have a great currency that's the world's dominant currency. But to your point, like some of these other countries that adopted crypto as a real currency, a lot of countries don't have that benefit that the U.S. has as a dominant strong currency. So this also makes a great, great bit of sense for some of those nations as well. So as I hear you talk about, it helps me understand better why crypto has continued to sort of survive and why you see it as a long-term great idea, even though FTX and the exchange, when the exchanges fell apart. John, is that a fair sentiment as to how you try and differentiate these two things? I think that's precisely right and very well stated. And, and, and so tell us more about, I mean, I know you can't predict where the value of crypto goes from here, but are you sort of amazed? I mean, I'm sort of amazed, and I was asked this question just the other day by a close colleague, how is crypto held up so well, even though the exchange has fallen apart? 
And, and now I have a much better sense of that. How do you sort of look at the longer-term ups and downs of cryptocurrency? I mean, obviously, this is not something where you put 100% of your portfolio into. You put a small percentage at this point. But, but how do you sort of look at this in the long run, and how do we sleep through the ups and downs of this? I think you have to uh, have independent conviction in the usefulness of the technology. And when we talk about the three buckets, right, you know, if you are in Argentina or Turkey or someplace where financial repression is an important element of the, you know, control that you face, you could talk about China, you could talk about Russia, you could talk about many places that are like this. And Bitcoin has some unique characteristics that are attractive in, in no small part relative to gold, for example, it's transportable. And we perceive that Bitcoin adoption is on a course of growth and that the functionality of the Bitcoin network will also grow with it, which will uh, foster greater adoption. And part of that is the institutions and part of that will be payments rails, but generally speaking, that there's a need for this and the longer term growth of the value of the asset reflects that. Ethereum, as I said, is really different. And I think of it as a new generation of compute platform. And what they are doing is in, in really incredibly significant in exposing a decentralized platform that can function in a secure and reliable and uh, inexpensive way as the basis for computer programs to run. And some of it will run at higher levels, you know, things that are built on top of Ethereum that allow it to scale. And some of it will simply interact with the ecosystem. But that is um, a, gen a generational technology advance. And there is a, a lot of talk about a term called Web3, and that's a whole separate discussion, but the concept is you can use new ways to orchestrate business models that are disruptive to the existing dominant web franchises. For example, you could offer cheap storage, or you could offer new ways of collecting, paying people to collect data. I mean, it really is a, a whole open-ended growth scenario. And then, as I said, the third thing relates to enterprise IT advances. You know, our confidence in this is high because we see the hard work that's being done by the broadening set of well-funded and well-staffed uh, um, early-stage companies that are focused on these opportunities. Does that help? No, it does, because you really differentiate. Some of this is a currency. Some of it's more like a software. It don't take a long time so the general public really understands this. Because I mean, you're, I mean, just by background, John is a close colleague, graduated from Harvard Law School with myself a long time ago. I've not mentioned that, and we're already 20 minutes into the discussion. But a really close friend and a really smart person. And you've spent the last couple of years really focused on this almost entirely, really becoming an expert in it and using your background in finance and technology to become an expert in it. And, and, and I, I do think that even as I've talked to you about this a lot the last couple of years, I'm just starting to understand the difference between Bitcoin, Ethereum, and these other things. And it'll take a while for people to understand because they're very different. And then I guess the, the key thing for the long term of the industry is that people distinguish 
the cryptocurrencies from the exchanges. Uh, but that's complicated, too, because all of us have put our money and the money we have in it. At least I've got it in a couple different places. I had it in an ETF. I had it in Coinbase. You know, and now people are a little worried about those things, too, not so much the ETF, but certainly about Coinbase. John, let me ask you this final question today. And then we'd love to have you back in this conversation just to further educate the audience on Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, and so forth. So what a fascinating developing subject. Where can people learn more about what you do and about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? You know, we have conferences that we host and we um, definitely talk to investors uh, all the time about what's happening in the space and reaching out to us in that manner, you know, would be a perfectly good way to go about that. There are an enormous number of resources out on the web as in all things about this. And, you know, I probably would suggest those two things. I would say, though, with respect to your comments on Coinbase, the that firm, we think, is the premier institutional custodian of crypto assets. And, you know, there is, I think, real clarity about the distinction between what's happening with your assets at Coinbase relative to what happened at FTX. And I think that one of the you know byproducts of this is that there there is some aspersion being cast on coinbase for example some risk being associated with it that is actually i think unfair relative to what ftx does because coinbase is us public company you know and well regulated and ftx was unregulated and offshore and you know we can now see the implications of that or the risks that were associated with that. And I, I'm, I would just finish by saying that I think that there's now gonna be increased effort to make sure that crypto, which is um, convinced, you know, for, gonna be with us for a very long time is incorporated uh, sensibly into the developed world's financial system so that we can avert something like FTX in the future. Does that make sense? You know, no, it's a great, great perspective. And it's really the point on where these different cryptocurrencies, at least the main ones, become so built into the ecosystem that you're no longer reliant on a, a particular exchange. Like we know Apple's a real company. So if the NASDAQ fell apart, Apple could still go on the New York Stock Exchange or one of the other exchanges. And it's not so reliant on, and the exchanges are functioned differently today too. But no, I think it's a, I think it's a great point, John. I know that we're dragging out here a little bit, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but there's also an important distinction I just want to finish with between a centralized exchange like FTX and the decentralized financial world that really was invented by crypto, and the uh, you know decentralized financial world involves you're using your your own wallet to enter into transactions that are really computer programs of the kind that I discussed that don't involve using an exchange at all. And that that's a whole nother important element of the debate that the crypto community is trying to bring to the attention of regulators and legislators, because what really happened with the exchange was the opposite of what crypto was designed to address, right? It was a centralized point of failure and it turned out to be you know, untrustworthy. So I don't mean to you know drag this on, but that, that is 
going to be one of the important discussion points going forward. But but that's a really important point because it, what happens is you have unregulated exchanges, really, and so people really did not know what's going on. It reminds me of people that had a rebuild in California some time ago post-earthquake and the world changing to have much more difficult earthquake building requirements, and it seemed to be a lot of regulation at the time, but has made it investable to build to be able to build in California in certain places. It's very similar to in parts of Florida right now that were destroyed by the hurricane. You won't be able to rebuild unless you meet all kinds of new requirements, but it's important to make it investable. And similarly with the regulation of these exchanges, is the stronger you're able to make these exchanges, the more easy it will be to invest in cryptocurrencies with confidence which is very important for people that are investing more than just a very small portion of their portfolio. So, so very important distinction for the long run. It's exactly right. Institutional adoption will accelerate as regulatory clarity emerges. I think that's absolutely correct. John, I want to thank you for sharing your thoughts with us today on the Becker Private Equity and Becker's Healthcare Podcast for a full discussion on cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, FTX, and more. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Thank you very much. Anytime. Take care, Scott.